I have to admit that every time we start taking Christmas decorations out of the attic to start setting up for Christmas, that song pops into my head. It happened again this year. It was the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Donna had me that evening in the garage as she's handing down Christmas decorations for us to stack up and get ready to decorate the yard and decorate the house and decorate everywhere, the Christmas tree. And that song just popped into my head and stayed with me all night long. I would even wake up at night hearing that song. And because Misery Loves Company, I wanted them to sing it, so now it's stuck in your head as well. <laughs> you are welcome. You know, I know whenever the, the power strips and the chords start coming out, that it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, right? You know, I, I see those chords and all the stuff that she's sending down from the attic, and I'm thinking, great, we've got to decorate the house and put the lights up. We've got to decorate the Christmas tree We've got to get all the things set out for her to decorate the house because I don't know where anything goes. And I just start thinking about the, the Christmas chores that we have to get done. You know, chores such as that elf's got to get on a shelf somehow. Those presents aren't going to buy themselves. Those presents aren't going to wrap themselves. And so the list starts getting longer and longer. And I don't think I'm alone in this. You have your own list of Christmas tasks and chores that you have to get done as well. I mean, you've got cooking and baking that has to be done for the holidays. You have to get that spare bedroom ready because the in-laws are staying with you this year. You've got uh, Christmas presents to buy. You've got to get the house clean and ready. Uh, you've got to take the kids to their Christmas parties and their plays. You may have a life group Christmas party that you've got to cook for and buy a white elephant gift and take. And all of this and so much more is on top of the fact you've got a normal job and you're paying bills and you're just running a household, just the normal stuff. But we plug in so much into our lives. Well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and we can't say no to this. We have to say yes to them. And before you know it, we are just absolutely stressed out. And one of the ways I know that it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas is not that I see the power cords come out. I see people who are overextended. They're, they're overscheduled. They're exhausted. And because of that, I know it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. In fact, sometimes we need a holiday after the holiday to get over the holiday. We are so exhausted. And all of this stuff, we've got to do parties and shopping and cooking and cleaning and going and doing. There's something we're forgetting. Oh, that's right. We've got to celebrate Jesus. It's his birthday after all. And rather than feeling closer to Jesus by the end of the Christmas season, we're just feeling exhausted. We're just feeling tired. We say that Christmas is about him, that Christmas is about God's great gift of Jesus to us. And yet if we're not careful, we will plug into so much stuff that we crowd Jesus right out of our lives. Why are Christmas lights always in a knot? Have you ever noticed that? There we go. And I don't think that's what we want. But we say yes to all these things that it's easy to become overwhelmed. In fact, I learned at our house, if you plug too much stuff into one outlet, you can blow a breaker. You can trip a breaker. And you know, if you try to plug too much into your life, you're going you're gonna to blow some things. You, you're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose your happiness. 
You're going to lose your sense of personal peace. You're going to lose your patience with other people. And in those moments, we're not acting much like Jesus. We're not treating other people much like Jesus would. And it's not that we're not good people. It's just that we're overwhelmed. We're stressed out. And Jesus kind of gets pushed to the side with all the good stuff that we're doing. And why do we think we have to say yes to this and yes to that and plug into all of these things? I think sometimes it's out of a sense of responsibility. That, that a sense of recognition that I need to do this and I want to be recognized for what I'm doing. I want people to say, that Christmas tree is the best I've ever seen. You did a wonderful job. Or your house Christmas lights would make Clark Griswold just absolutely thrilled. We want that recognition, that sense of satisfaction that comes with it. Or a sense of obligation motivates what we do. We just, I must do this. I can't say no to these things. I'm obligated to do these things. And then tradition can be a motivating factor. Well, you know, my grandfather did this at Christmas time, and my dad did this at Christmas time, and now it's my turn to pass on this family tradition, or my grandmother and my mother, and now it's my turn to do this for my family. And a lot of times we do what we do just because we did it last year, so we do it again this year, and then we add new things to those traditions. But I really think the bottom line for most of us is we say yes to all of these things that we plug into out of a sense of devotion. We really do love our families and our friends, and we want them to have the best Christmas. And so we go overboard to help them have a great Christmas. That's why Clark Griswold decorated every square inch of his home with Christmas lights that you could see from space. He wanted his family to have the best Christmas ever. And I think that probably motivates us a lot of times, that we want our families and our friends to enjoy Christmas. So we don't just say no. We just say yes to everything because we don't want to let anyone down or we don't want it to be as good as we saw on Pinterest or our friends on Facebook are doing this or we've got to do this and we want it to be special for our families. Now, here's what I know about human history. A lot has changed in the 2,000 years since Jesus was here. But something hasn't changed and that is human nature. People are the same. And we're not the first people to be overwhelmed and overstressed and overscheduled and exhausted. In fact, in the life of Jesus, there was an encounter he had with a friend of his in her home where he encountered her feeling what a lot of us feel in December. In fact, we're only two days into December, and some of you already feel overwhelmed and overworked and stressed out. And some of you are well on your way. You're thinking right now about all the things you've got to get done, and you're feeling the pressure of that. Well, the good news is how Jesus encouraged this woman that was his friend and how he instructed her and helped her realign her priorities can also speak to us today. It can encourage us and instruct us and help us to realign our priorities so that at the end of the Christmas season, we don't feel farther away from Jesus. We actually feel closer to Jesus. At the end of the Christmas season, we don't need a holiday from the holiday if we'll follow Jesus' instructions in Luke chapter 10, we will actually feel closer to Jesus. In fact, why don't you open up your Bible to Luke chapter 10. I want to read from verses 38 uh, through 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And it's about an encounter that Jesus had with some friends of his. And he went and stayed with them in their home. I love this story because we often see Jesus in public. 
We see him out in public and preaching to the crowds and interacting with sick people and healing people. And we see him interacting with the religious leaders and politicians of his day. But today's story in Luke 10 verse 38 gives us a glimpse of Jesus in a private home of friends. Just relaxing. Just being with his friends. And I love this beautiful picture of the humanity of Jesus. Luke 10 verse 38 Now as they went on their way, that's Jesus and his disciples. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. I love this. Jesus is on his way through this village. And he says, I've got some friends here. Boys, let's just go and stay with them. And he knocks on the door. Martha opens the door and it's Jesus. But it's not just Jesus. It's Jesus and his entourage. Remember, he's got 12 disciples. So 13 men are standing at the front door saying, Hey, thought we'd just stop in, see how you're doing, and visit with you for a while. And in the first century culture, especially in Israel, it was incumbent upon the hostess to provide everything for her guest. That your home now becomes your guest home. And that's why the Bible says that she welcomed Jesus and the disciples into her home. She literally said, my home is now your home. And I think about what must have been going through Martha's mind as these men unexpectedly show up at her door. She's probably thinking, okay, there's 13 of them. There may be a few others coming. Do I have enough food in the kitchen? Do I have enough drink in the kitchen? we got to get everything ready. I'm going to have to get out some more seats so that everybody can have a place to sit in the living room. In her mind, she's already going through what's going to happen to happen in order to take care of Jesus and his disciples. But she's not too stressed out at this point because in the back of her, Martha's mind, she knows something. She knows I've got a secret weapon. I've got a lot to do, but i got my sister Mary who lives with me, and she will help me. Mary is my ace in the hole. Mary is my secret weapon. Mary is going to come through for me, and together we can do this. Okay, we can do this. Wish Jesus, Jesus would have texted me first that he was coming. Wish he would have maybe just Facebook messenger me or something. But he's here, and we're going to deal with it. But notice the next verse, verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So get the picture here. Martha welcomes everyone into the home. Jesus and the boys come in. They make themselves at home. Martha's thinking, okay, it's time for Mary and I to get to work. This is going to be the best dinner party Jesus has ever had. What an honor to have my Lord in my home What an honor to take care of him. And let's see, I can focus on this and Mary will focus on that. But as soon as Martha's off starting the work, she looks around and where's Mary? And she finds Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Oh, just listening to every word Jesus is saying. Oh, Jesus, where have you been? Oh, tell me about that person you healed. What do you mean? How did they respond? Oh, they had to have been excited. I wish I could have been there. Oh, those Pharisees, are they still bothering you? They don't, they don't get it, do they, Jesus? She's just sitting everywhere. Jesus, you're awesome. Just keep talking. This is awesome. And all the while, Martha's in there working herself silly, trying to take care of all these people. Anybody know what that feels like? All the women go, yes. That's my husband in his recliner right there, you know? 
And so Mary is enjoying her time at the feet of Jesus. Just at his feet, listening to his teaching. He's teaching the word of God. Now think about this great privilege. Jesus, the Bible calls the living word. She's got the living word of God in her home. The spoken word of God being taught. And Mary is just drinking it all in while Martha is busy serving. In fact, the next verse says, verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Literally, Martha is distracted. Martha is pulled in different directions with serving. This has to be done. That's got to be done. This has got to be done. That's got to be done. There was all these things that she needed to get plugged in so that Jesus could be well taken care of, and she's distracted. She's not at the feet of Jesus. She's not listening to what Jesus has to say. She's not really enjoying the presence of Jesus at this moment because she needs to serve him. She's got things to do for him. She doesn't have time to just sit and listen. And the Bible continues in verse 40. <laughs> she was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him. This is Martha going up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Martha has come to the end of her rope. You can almost imagine that as Martha's going back and forth from the kitchen to the family room, family room to the kitchen, that she sees Mary just sitting there with that grin on her face and listening to Jesus, that Martha's getting madder by the minute. And you know what happens when we get stressed out? We often assume the worst in other people rather than assume the best. And Martha assumes the worst about her sister, and she assumes the worst about Jesus. She goes in and says to him, Lord, and that means boss, by the way, means master. Now she's about to boss the boss. Lord, don't you care that my sister has abandoned me to serve all alone? Don't you care? Have you ever wondered if God cares about something or if somebody else in your life, if they're not living up to your standard of doing what you think needs to be done or helping like you think they ought to help, you start thinking, they don't even care. Nobody cares in this house but me. If anything's going to get done, i got to do it. Nobody cares. And Martha's saying, don't you care that she's abandoned me? And then she tells the Lord what to do. Lord, then tell her, literally command her to help me. She's telling God what to do. Have you ever told God what to do? Now, God, you need to do this, and you need to do that. I tell you, you need to make them do this, and you need to make her stop that. We love telling God how to play God, right? And so Martha is not happy. And listen, I get it. And I think, I think all of us in this room can relate to Martha. For some of you, it was whenever it was you, you women, whenever you, you had your family, and your kids were little, and you were invited to a party, and so you and your husband and the kids all in tow went to this party. And you're already, you're already exhausted because you had to get them bathed. You had to get them fed. You had to get them clothed. You had to get them in the car. You got to get to the, the, the house or the venue. And you've had the lecture, no running, don't touch things, don't break anything, keep your voice down. And yet you get to the party, the kids start running wild and five minutes into the party, after you're exhausted trying to keep them together, you notice your husband across the room. 
Just holding a drink in his hand, just talking, having a good time. He's forgot he's married. He's forgot he's got kids. He's having the best time of his life, just hanging out with his friends. And you give him the look. You know that look from across the room. And he's seen that look before, and he knows that means you better get over here right now. And I wonder if that's not the look Martha has given Mary several times. She's from the kitchen looking in the living room. Do you not care? And then maybe she finally catches the attention of Jesus and gives him that look. <laughs> Don't you care that she's abandoned me? Now you tell her to get in here and help me. I can relate to how she feels. She's, she's just stressed out. And you know what? Her heart is in the right place. She's wanting to serve Jesus. I mean, you can't go wrong with that, can you? She's wanting to serve Jesus. And I love the response Jesus gives. I love his tenderness. Look at verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. That's a very tender rebuke, by the way. That's Jesus' gentle way of trying to de-escalate this moment. He could tell, buddy, she has about had it. And Jesus, rather than escalating this, and who are you to tell the Lord what to do? I think you got the roles reversed here. No, instead he just says, Martha, Martha. By the way, men, do not try that with your spouse. When your spouse is stressed, Donna, Donna, that won't work. I can probably do that once. And then you'll come to my funeral. But Jesus could do this and get away with it. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. How does Jesus know this? Because usually anxiety and trouble is kind of an invisible internal thing. But you know, it can reach a point where it becomes visible and external. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. We all see it. <laughs> it's written all over your face. We all understand. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to connect with her and say, listen, I know what you're feeling. I respect what you're doing. Your service and your hard work and your ethic, your type A personality, I get that. I appreciate that. It's nothing wrong with what you're doing. And I know all those things have made you anxious because you're worried. And they've made you troubled. You're worn out. I understand that. But one thing is necessary, verse 42. But one thing is needed. That you've got a list of chores and a list of things that need to get done. And, and that's wonderful, Martha. But in this moment, there's really only one thing that's needed. And it's not what I need. You're doing all these things because you think I need those things. No, no there's one thing that's needed for you. This is not about me. This is about you. There's one thing that's needed and this probably sent Martha over the edge. Verse 42, and Mary has chosen the good portion. There's one thing that's really needed in this moment. There's a time and a place for all that work. But in this moment, there's only one thing that's needed for you. One thing that will feed you. And Mary has chosen that good meal. That good portion. You're in there slaving away over a good meal. But it's only temporary. It won't last, and it's only physical. But Mary is sitting here receiving, not serving, receiving a spiritual meal in my presence, through my word, 
And then Jesus says, and it won't be taken from her. In other words, you want me to command Mary, get up and go in the kitchen and help your sister and take this moment with me away from her. You want to take this moment with me in my presence. You want to take this moment with me and my words for her. You want me to take all that away by sending her to help you. But I'm not going to do that. She's chosen the good portion. And what does that say? It says to us that unlike every other religion in the world, Christ came not for what we can do for him, but for what he can do for us. And I think Jesus is saying Mary has chosen what's most needed at this moment, and that is not to do but to simply be. Not to do for me, but just to be in my presence. To spend this time with me. Let me pour into you. And she's chosen a good thing. It'll never go away. It'll never be taken from her. I'm not going to take it from her. And any time invested with me, no one can take it from you. Now, I've struggled to figure out how to apply this sermon today because it would be so easy to say, and Jesus... Wants to be with you. And rather than always focusing on doing, we need to slow down and just focus on being in his presence once in a while. And so what you need to do is every morning at 5 a.m., you need to get up and you need to have a quiet time with Jesus and you need to read the Bible and you need to pray. Now listen, if you do that, wonderful. I want to be like you when I grow up. I am not a morning person. I'm more of a night owl. And, uh, and I, I, I'm just wired that way. I've always been wired that way. But if that's you, that's great. I remember when I was pastoring my first little congregation, I was the pastor of Elam Baptist Church west of Quitman, Georgia. Just a little bitty church, a handful of people in a farming community. The church was so gracious. They said, we want you to move on the field, and we're going to give you a, a home on the church property. That home was a 1963 single-wide trailer. And so I got that rent-free, got to live there right across the street from the church cemetery. And one morning, Saturday morning at 5 a.m., I am dead asleep, and then I hear at my front door. So I get up, and I wipe the sleep out of my eyes, and I go to the front door just really expecting to open the door to see one of my church members with some bad news that maybe one of our church members had died or something. But I opened the door, and it's a farmer that I had met before. He was not a member of my church. He was a member of another church in our community. I think the church was called Hickory Baptist or Hickory Grove Baptist Church. And so I swing open the door, and I said, good morning. And he's all, good morning, pastor. Good to see you. I was just driving by, and I was thinking we could have some quiet time together this morning. You have quiet time every morning at 5, don't you? I'm 20 years old, single. No, I don't have quiet time. I didn't say that, but I was thinking it was quiet before you showed up, dude. It was mighty quiet. But in his mind, that's what spiritual people do. They get up every morning at 5 o'clock, have quiet time. So I could put that on you this morning to say if you really love Jesus and if you want to you be in his presence, you're going to have to do that. I believe there's something about giving God the first of your day, giving your best of the day. But if I add that to you on top of everything else you've plugged into in your life, I've given you bad news, not good news. Just one more thing to plug into. So here's something that may set some of you free. It's okay to say, 
no. It's okay to say no to some things in your life so that you can say yes to Jesus. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to burn yourself out. You don't have to go over the top in your Christmas decorations or over the top in your baking. You don't have to go over the top in your Christmas buying. You're still paying off last year's Christmas, so you might not want to go over. You need to know it's okay to say, you know what, there's a lot of good things. The Christmas party for the company, you know what, I'm just not going to that this year. Just not going to do that this year. You know, some of the things that I think have to be done for the house to be perfect for company. You know what? We live in this house. And if you don't like it, maybe you don't need to come around. I'm not going to kill myself. We're going to enjoy family time getting closer to Jesus. Maybe there's some things you need to unplug from. Not to unplug from some good things so that you can then spend more time on Netflix. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about maybe you need to intentionally say, I'm going to unplug from some good things so that I can intentionally plug in to the presence of Jesus in my life this Christmas season. And how that looks for you may be different than how it looks for me or for someone else. Maybe for you it means in your drive time from home to work that you intentionally decide, I'm not going to listen to the news. Instead, I'm going to put in some Christian praise music or some great Christmas songs. And for 30 minutes, I'm just going to remind myself at the beginning of the day that Jesus is the real reason for the season. Maybe for you it's to say, you know what? There's so much work around this house that needs to be done. But I'm not going to kill myself doing all that to impress my neighbors or my family who only show up once a year. Kids, let's get in the car. We're going to go look at the lights on Gervin. We're going to need about eight hours to get in and out. And we're going to... We're going to we're going to put on Christmas songs. And one of you is going to read the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke while we drive. And we just remind ourselves that Jesus is the reason for the season. So prayer is how God speaks to us. Reading his word is how God speaks to us. Coming to worship service like this is how God speaks to us and draws us closer to himself. Praise music is how God speaks to us. But sometimes we have to unplug from some things to give him that space he needs to pour into us. Because Christmas really is not about the gifts we give each other. Christmas is about the gift God gave us in Jesus. And Jesus' greatest present to you is his presence with you. And I want you to enjoy that this year. Rather than getting to the end of December and feeling stressed out and overwhelmed and impatient and tired, needing a holiday from the holiday, I pray that you can get through this December and at the new year say, man, I needed that this year to say no to some things so that I could say yes to Jesus and just let him pour into me. So long before you start serving other people, let him serve you. Before you pour out for other people, let him pour into you. Jesus' greatest present to you is his presence with you. For some of you in this room, maybe you are already followers of Jesus. Would you rededicate yourself to saying, Jesus, I don't want to lose you this Christmas. I want to remember it's about you. It's not about all this other stuff, as good as it is. So I want to, I want to figure out what do I need to say no to so I can say yes to you. Others of you, maybe you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Dear friend, 
This is the great truth of Christmas. It's the great truth of Christianity. Is that salvation, the forgiveness of your sin, a right relationship with God now in this life and forever and having heaven as your home one day is not something you can earn or work for. It's a gift that is offered to you through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. All you've got to do is unwrap that gift and take it for yourself by faith, putting your trust in Jesus. Jesus said it this way, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All you've got to do is trust in him, believe in him for who he is. He's your Lord and your Savior. Will you do that today? This morning... Jesus' greatest present to you is his presence with you. Will you receive that present? Will you open your heart to him and let him change you, save you? At the end of our service, I'll make my way to the back door. We'll have guest services, volunteers there. If we can help you trust in Jesus as your Savior, or if you've already done that, let me know that. Or if you want to join our church or have somebody pray for you, or you've got a question about this, message or any way that we can help you, we'll see you at the next step area. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this morning's reminder through the lives of Martha and Mary that your greatest present to us is your presence with us. And we pray this morning that you would help us to realize it's okay to say no to some good things that we want to do or we feel obligated to do or it's the tradition that we do. To say no to some good things so that we can say yes to you. To unplug from some responsibilities so that we can make sure that the number one priority of our life is to draw near to you as you have drawn near to us. Father, that looks different for each one of us. But I pray that at the end of this Christmas season, we will say it's been good to just draw a little closer to Jesus this year. And what he has done in my life can never be taken from me. Father, we love you and we thank you and praise you for loving us and for saving us as we've turned from our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.